And a crossover preview with the Locked On Chargers as we preview the Broncos versus Chargers matchup at SoFi Stadium. But the Broncos will be without one of their top wide receiving weapons and a key defensive player. How might that impact the team this weekend against the Chargers? Not to mention who are some potential personnel replacements you can look at if you're a Broncos fan to help step up in their absence. Sarah Benger, myself, we break that down and much more on today's brand new episode, Locked On Broncos. You are Locked On Broncos. Your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome back into a brand new episode of Lockdown Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast here on the Lockdown NFL Network, your team every day. Lockdown Broncos is available free and everywhere you get your podcast. You can watch us here on YouTube. Lockdown Broncos, hit that subscribe button, turn on notifications, and thank you for making Lockdown Broncos your first listen of the day. Broncos country, we appreciate you. And obviously, as we approach a new year, I just want to say we love you guys. Happy New Year. Stay safe. But unfortunately, we have some bad news to start off with today's episode show followed by some other news we'll get to but Sarah my friend let's rip the band-aid off right now the Broncos will be without Tim Patrick this weekend Calvin Anderson Caden Stearns and Tyree Cleveland who've been placed on the COVID reserve list now obviously the NFL the NFLPA came up with a new CDC guidelines they're applying it to where you know it goes from 10 days to five days this doesn't matter because as the time of recording this when they were placed on it, it was Wednesday, which means that they are out on Sunday. Just a, a big blow for this Broncos offense with Tim Patrick. Big blow on the defense with, you know, a guy like Caden Stearns. And dang, man, I, I mean, where do we go from here? I know, right? Man, it, it stinks to not have these guys, especially as, you know, nobody wants to hear this still. But the, there still is a chance, you know, if things go the right way. So you want to have your best possible team out there. But... Luckily for the Broncos, George Payton does do a really good job. I know people kind of made jokes about Mike Kliss talking about how he works the back end of the roster. But as a general manager, and we're going to talk about this with the with the Chargers hosts in a bit here, but man, you really have to build up your depth all throughout the season. You have to be prepared for things like this. The Broncos have been protecting Seth Williams, a rookie sixth-round pick from this amazing draft class that we haven't got a chance to see. They've been protecting him just about every single week this season. Could we see him get called up to the active roster now? Because obviously, no Tim Patrick, no KJ Hamler, obviously, who's, who tore his ACL earlier in the season, don't necessarily want Deontay Spencer out there running a bunch of routes. So in order to replace Tim Patrick, you do have a couple of bodies on the practice squad. Tyree Cleveland, by the way, also, Cody, on the COVID list. So you can't call him up for this game either. So the Broncos have two big body receivers on the practice squad that they could utilize, Seth Williams being one, and then Travis Fulgham being the other. We saw him kind of explode early on last season for the Philadelphia Eagles. The Broncos added him to the practice squad a couple of weeks ago, and I think that that move right now could pay some nice dividends. He, I mean, he's a guy who can make those plays deep downfield. You just send him on a couple of simple routes and ask him to win one-on-one, -on -one, I feel like that's a guy that could do some things. He's proven it against NFL players already. So I, I would definitely be down for that. Caden Stern's another si a different situation. You got HaHa -Ha Clinton Dix on the practice squad, but you've also got Jamar Johnson, who's been kind of waiting in the wings on your active roster already. We saw the Broncos use Nate Hairston as a replacement for Caden Stern's previously this season. So there's options, and you got to give kudos to George Payton and the, the pro scouting staff putting together these options that the Broncos actually have some reinforcements available this late in the season, it's impressive. 
George Payton has always been proactive and not reactive, which is great, I think, for the future of this roster. And obviously, roster building is going to be a very, very big thing for him. Uh, but, you know, you know, we talk about wide receiver. Well, the question is, who's going to get the start this week for the Denver Broncos? It was reported by Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network that Drew Locke will get his second start this week as Teddy Bridgewater continues to go through concussion protocol. I mean, ideally, we heard from Vic Fangio on Monday saying that they want to do what's right by Teddy. Obviously, if he hasn't cleared, then he hasn't cleared. But more importantly, it does open up for Drew potentially being able to finish the season as the Broncos quarterback. And you have to have these wide receiving guys. And look, I'm looking, this is a big game for the Broncos here because guess what? Ideally, the scenarios kind of line up. The Broncos are going to go on the road at SoFi Stadium. Drew Locke's going to be the quarterback. He's got to find a way to get to Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy has to bounce back from one of those drops there. And the last time that Jerry Judy went to Los Angeles to play the Chargers, he had his worst game of his career from a catching standpoint. So can Jerry Judy overcome that? I know that's something that's kind of on his mind. He's got that chip on his shoulder. So Drew Locke, can he protect the football two weeks in a row? It's going to be something we do talk about with Daniel Wade, host of the Locked on Chargers podcast, coming up here in just a little bit. Broncos country. But obviously, the no good news of the Broncos missing out some other guys. So at this point, Sarah, we have to hope, we have to pray that guys like Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, and even just Albert Oakwood, any skill guys, and even, even offensive linemen and quarterbacks. At this point, you have to hope that the Broncos can stay off the COVID list for the next few days and even up on Sunday. I mean, that's going to be the thing. All the way up until Sunday, they test Sunday morning. You have to hope and pray that no other Bronco gets placed on that. It's been something that's been impacting not just the Broncos, but it's also impacted various other teams around the NFL, unfortunately. And that's just the nature of where we're at right now here in 2021. And I know we're all tired of talking about COVID. It's very, very tiresome, very frustrating. Unfortunately, it's impacting the world of covering sports and, and you know a lot of stuff that we love to get away from the real world stuff that's going on. So something to keep in mind, Broncos country. But coming up here in just a moment, we'll Sarah and myself, we're going to sit down. We're going to talk with Daniel Wade, host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast. We're going to preview this matchup in depth. But before we do that, let me tell you about the sponsor. Today's episode, Crossover, Lockdown Broncos, Lockdown Chargers. That's a good friends over there. BetOnline.ag. And BetOnline has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march towards the playoffs through college bowl season and pro football playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. And you can head to the website or you can use the brand new mobile device to sign up today and you can receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKDOWN to get that bonus deposit here today from football, basketball, NHL, boxing, and UFC right from right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, so don't way to take advantage of all the amazing offers that are available bet online where the game starts it's another episode of a locked on nfl crossover afc west divisional matchup this week between the Denver broncos traveling to sofi stadium to take on the los angeles Chargers in a rematch from early on in the season both teams coming off of losses and there's two games remaining to break it all down i'm cody orca lockdown broncos my co-host sarah bettinger of lockdown broncos and we're talking with locked on chargers host daniel wade dan Great to see you, my man, as always. Obviously, uh, a lot has changed since these teams first played early on the season in Denver, and obviously they're kind of finding themselves in dire straits here with two games remaining. Yeah, I mean, I think there are some similarities just because I think when the Chargers played the Broncos the first time, they were 6-4, and four, but they started 4-1, and one, right? So they were sliding a little bit when it came to that Broncos game. But I think you had a totally different outlook of the team and a different outlook of the playoff picture, right? And right now, 
it's down to the nitty gritty. I mean, this is a must win game for the Chargers. So it's going to be hugely important. It is. And the last game that these two teams played against each other, it was must win for, for obviously both teams. But I feel like things have really changed in that regard for the Denver Broncos, at least the vibe from among the fan base. I mean, it feels like the Broncos are kind of just out of it at this point. So who knows how they're going to kind of approach this game. But obviously, like you mentioned before we started this show, the Chargers dealing with a lot of COVID issues going into this game as well. Yeah, and I mean, you saw how much it affected him last week, just missing a lot of those players. I mean, I think luckily, and this is something we talked about on our show last night, like the CDC changing the guidelines, making it five, you know, 10 to five days is huge just because Mike Williams, you know, popped late last week and he was done for two games. Like, and it was just like, you know, and I know Cody, you know, retweeted and was just like, hey, Mike Williams is out for the Broncos game. That's not necessarily the case now. So, I mean, that is huge news for the Chargers because, the one thing we've seen with this team, an inconsistent team, is just that it's not a super deep team. I and mean, we knew that going into the season. It is a pretty top-heavy team. So it looks like a completely different team when you're missing some of the players the Chargers were missing last week. Starting center, Joey Bosa, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, Michael Davis, you know, just to name a few. Like That's like not even a third of the list of the guys they were missing last week. So we're starting to see some reinforcements coming back already this week. But you're still in a tricky spot because, I mean, it's four or five names a day for the Chargers right now. I mean, that's just been the reality of it. And even with the five-day changeup, right, I mean, the Chargers still haven't had somebody test positive and play in the next game, right? If they tested positive that week, vaccinated or unvaccinated, they have not played in the next game at all so far this season. So even with the back-to-back negative tests and all the qualifiers that can get you back in the game, we still haven't seen it yet. So it's still kind of a hold-your-breath moment. And obviously, guys are still coming back. But at the same time, I mean, from here on out for the rest of the week, any new names that pop up on there with that, you know, something that seems to be wildly spreading throughout the Chargers organization right now, those guys, even with the new rules, will be out. So a lot of positive reinforcements probably coming back this week. But like, I mean, obviously you're one, you know, Justin Herbert test away from changing everything completely. And I think that's just what the NFL has been this year. And obviously, NFL teams are taking every precaution necessary in facility. I know the Broncos have transitioned some of the media settings to Zoom now and obviously in-person stuff. And they've hold, they've held a lot of virtual meetings with with players. But, you know, in this matchup in particular, you know, let's assume everything goes off without a hitch here. Obviously, in this rematch, you're looking at it to where this Chargers defense, they've given up some big yardage games to opposing offenses in the last three games. Really, what has been the biggest issue so far with the Chargers during these last three games against the opponents that they've had obviously last week against the Texans but more importantly is there anything that stands out in particular as to why they've struggled defensively with giving up so much Uh, yeah I mean I think you look at one thing in particular if you're trying to boil it down to one thing it's the lack of Derwin James I mean that's been the one main constant throughout those games and he has hasn't been a COVID thing right he's had a hamstring injury but I mean you saw the difference when he was out there and when he was not in the Kansas City Chiefs game And the one thing he does that, you know, he probably doesn't get enough credit for is all the things he's erasing down the field, all the explosive plays that he's shutting down by making an open field tackle or getting up to the line of scrimmage, getting downhill quickly. Like, those are things that the Chargers have severely lacked the last couple of weeks. I mean, big plays, giant plays after, you know, another. And, like, that was one of the strengths of this team early on was, yeah, they weren't good against the run, but they were really limiting explosive plays by opposing offenses. And, I mean, you let – the Houston Texans go for a 94-yard touchdown drive right before half, you know, that there's something going terribly wrong there. You give up, you know, pass of 36 and 41 for a touchdown. And I think the other thing is just not being connected in the secondary. 
has been a huge thing for this team, whether it's Derwin James or missing Michael Davis or missing Asante Samuel Jr. for six weeks with a concussion, having Chris Harris Jr. go on injured reserve, missing Nazir Adderley. Like, I think the starting five players from Daniel Popper of The Athletic have played like 82 snaps in their starting secondary together this year. And I think that you've really seen that kind of come to fruition over the last couple of games. Like, what it's like when you're not connected back there and how many big plays that will allow. And I think that's really led to the jump of, you know, yardage totals and point totals. But, I mean, let's be clear about one thing. I mean, it hasn't been a good defense all year with or without Derwin James, with or without Joey Bosa. The defense hasn't been good all season. And you're seeing what happens if you are missing even one or two of those guys, let alone five or six, how much, you know, dramatically different that looks. That's Broncos fans can totally relate with that. I no doubt about that for sure. So I want to ask about Justin Herbert, obviously from, from our perspective, you know, he's an MVP caliber player and I'm sure from the chargers fan perspective as well, there's only so far that a quarterback can carry a team though. We've seen that with Justin Herbert. I mean, he's been posting unbelievable statistics his first couple seasons he's put some of the I mean we saw that Kansas City game where the Chargers fell short a couple of weeks ago I mean Justin Herbert was awesome in that game but there's like I said there's only so far he can take you and obviously you still have a couple more weeks before you can really or maybe more before you really do kind of a reflection on the season that was but what were kind of your expectations for Herbert going into this season and how has he met exceeded has he been doing exactly what you guys thought like where where are you guys at with Justin Herbert Uh, 15 games into this season I mean ecstatic Uh, you know just because like you've seen it's not a mirage right like I mean I think even the the biggest Charger fans as much as they love Justin Herbert year one it's like you still wanted to see a little bit more because especially with Charger fans you know with their history it's like they don't have nice things very often right you know this is why we can't have nice things you're a little hesitant to fully buy into the new guy and I think he's so far in a way exceeded those expectations no matter what kind of the national media attention towards him has been because he's also been one of those guys where he'll have a good month that he's the top five quarterback and you know the national media perspective and he'll have two poor games or at least outside looking in poor games and then it's like oh well may, are we too soon about the Joe Burrow Joe you know Justin Herbert talk or the Tua talk like <laughs> there's been so much talk around him that like I think what gets lost is how good he has been and just the fact that you know wins aren't a quarterback stat I mean he's been a major part in a lot of the big wins for the Chargers this year but what it boils down to is if Justin Herbert doesn't have a good game the Chargers aren't winning games right and like that's just they're not a team that's built well enough I mean I think they're 30th in special teams DVOA and like 31st in scoring defense so like that's two-thirds of your team two of the three phases of your team that have been far below average so far this season and when they lose you know, it highlights the Justin Herbert interceptions. It puts a spotlight on those things. But like in that Kansas City Chiefs game, right? Two minutes and 16 seconds left. He just had a go-ahead fourth-quarter game-winning drive, and they come back and match it and go ahead and win in overtime, right? But that gets forgotten about in the grand scheme of things. But I think it's it's been huge, right? And new offense, you know, and that's been the story of his life, like five new offensive coordinators, like four new head coaches the last five years. And he's still, you know, done exactly kind of what he's done the first year. I mean, are they taking enough deep shots, all of those things? I mean, now all those things are a good discussion to have, but he still has it. He's still one of the most efficient deep passers in the league. He still has the cannon arm. He's making better decisions. I mean, I think last week, you know, the first Josh Palmer interception, I thought that was a bad decision. Brandon Staley disagreed. I thought it was a late throw that he threw, you know, because they were trying to take a shot and they didn't necessarily need to on first down. 
right before half. They end up coming back in a 94-yard touchdown drive. But then the pick six, I mean, you have your tight end, Jerica, cutting a route short, you know, and then you're, he's throwing it to a spot where now a defender is there. You know, whether or not it would have been a good enough game for you to make that throw, I think, is a conversation. But that's the second time this happened this year. But I think the big thing is that there haven't been a ton of interceptable passes. Like, it's not just the lack, you know, of interceptions, the lack of making bad decisions. But, like, I think that there's just been so few interceptable passes and things like that outside of the ones that have been caught that you're really happy with his decision-making and you're still seeing improvements in his progressions, you know, using his eyes to lick safeties off and opening up little holes for his receivers and dealing with a lot of moving parts. So Justin Herbert, I think, has been great. And I don't know if he's necessarily MVP this season, but, I mean, he's in the conversation, or you know, maybe right on the outside looking in, which I think is all you can ask for for a second-year quarterback. I know Broncos fans wish they had Justin Herbert. I was a huge fan of him coming out of the University of Oregon. Had a chance to watch him when he was a high school player at Sheldon. Uh, just very, very special talent there. I know Broncos country is aching that and wishing he would have came out a year sooner than he actually did. But Broncos country and obviously Chargers Nation coming up here in just a moment. We're going to flip the script. Daniel's going to ask Sarah and I some questions about this Denver Broncos team. Two games remain in the season. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. But real quick, I want to give a special shout out to all the listeners, Lockdown Broncos and also Lockdown Chargers. Thank you for making our shows your first listen of the day every single day for all the content and coverage you need all year long with the teams that you root for. With the Broncos, the Chargers, we have you covered here, the Lockdown Podcast Network. All right, we're back here with Crossover Thursday, Lockdown Broncos, Lockdown Chargers. Huge game. I mean, the playoffs start this weekend for the Chargers. So there's no amount of, you know, things that you could say about this game that wouldn't be true about how important it is whether they want to downplay it or not i mean this is the playoffs for the chargers and they're going up against a team that already beat them you know and i think that's what's tough is you just for me specifically like how is the chargers offense going to fare right but the other big part of that too is how is the denver broncos offense going to fare against a defense that's been a sieve lately and just has been leaking confidence and a lot of points so one thing that we do know, you know, that we did get news about today, Ian Rappaport reporting that Drew Locke will probably be starting this weekend. And it's hard to know how to feel about that, right? Because Drew Locke, as Chargers fans know, is explosive, right? And that can go good and bad. And I'm sure you guys know that as well. And we've seen it in Chargers games, him scoring, you know, three or four touchdowns in a fourth quarter against the Chargers and all that. But in the first matchup, I think Teddy Bridgewater was what the Char- or the Broncos needed that day against the Chargers, Drew Locke came in, had an interception and a fumble that somehow went for a first down to Tim Patrick. I'm still annoyed about that. But, Cody, what do you think, you know, are the pros and the cons? Because I know you've talked about, you know, you're seeing some downfield throws and things like that. You might not see with Teddy Bridgewater, but it also comes with some risks as well. You know, the double fumble last week and some crazy stuff happens when Drew Locke gets in there. So when you see that Drew Locke is the starting quarterback this week, how does that make you feel? Well, you know, I think for the most part, when we go back and watch his performance against the Raiders, he played a pretty solid game for the most part. He just couldn't get help from the offensive line. The offensive line probably had their worst performance of the season from a protection standpoint and also being able to try to get the run game going. A lot of whiffs, a lot of missed assignments that allowed the Raiders, who were the 26th ranked rushing defense, to shut down the Broncos rushing attack of Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. Between the two of them, they each had you know 14 carries combined and only eight yards. Mm. Daniel, that is insane when you think about it. When you look at the talent that the Broncos have at That's the tailback position, they were really limited. But you know, Drew Locke, he, he made some really good throws. He had a couple of misses and obviously some plays maybe he'd like back, but he didn't put the Broncos in harm's way with his play, which is something that you like to see. And the downfield tack 
was there. I mean, being able to take shots downfield, it gives you a little bit more optimism, I'd say, in these final two games for the Broncos having a downfield passing attack because defenses have really started to adjust now to what the Broncos are able to do, and really it's primarily run the football. Now that you have Drew Locke there, if the Broncos can get the run game going and kind of bounce back from last week against the Raiders, they have a chance to air it out as well, but Drew will have to protect the football. Can he do it two weeks in a row? That's a big question. I think it's one of the biggest questions in this game because I think one of the things that covered up some of the Chargers' defensive issues early on were the turnovers that they were forcing. So I think that is going to play a huge factor. But, Sayer, obviously that's the game plan. If you're the Broncos, seeing what the Texans did, I mean, the Texans were averaging 77 rushing yards going into last week per game, put up a buck 90 against the Chargers' defense, and they're getting some reinforcements back. I mean, I saw that. The Chargers with Justin Jones, one defensive tackle on the field, they're averaging you know 3.5 yards per carry against them. Without Justin Jones, it's 5.3. That's a two-yard difference, which seems wild for one player to have that substantial of a difference. But they were missing dudes, obviously. Either way, it still seems like that would be the game plan. Yeah, you have to you know cover the whole field when it is Drew Locke, which maybe opens some things up for the running game. But, I mean, from my perspective and the outside looking in, like, you want to be smash mouth football in this game. You want to make the Chargers, you know, limit the possessions of Justin Herbert, get that two-headed monster back there going. And I think that's their clearest path to victory. I think you're spot on with that. Absolutely. And I think definitely that run game setting up the pass, even though the the Raiders had a lot of success defending the run against the Broncos, I feel like that was that was definitely an area where the Broncos utilized, you know, their the threat of the run to open up things for Drew Locke. And that's that's exactly where he has had the most success since he came into the NFL, dating back to his rookie season in 2019. Drew Locke off play action, he's actually pretty darn good. And, I, I mean, you can't run play action every single play. But, man, you know, you see, you see like, all these different analytics outlets and how hard they are on Drew Locke, and, and rightfully so in many respects. Pro Football Focus being the first and foremost, they gave him a really good grade this past weekend. And because he was hitting a lot of those throws, like Cody mentioned, those downfield throws that he made in this last game against the Raiders came a lot off play action and those deep crossing routes that they like to run with Jerry Judy. And, well, sometimes with Jerry Judy, sometimes with other guys. But drop passes really plagued the Broncos in this game. And so I feel like you still have to go with that same type of formula. You've got to believe that, what we did against the the Raiders is going to work if these guys can just catch the ball. So set up those deep passing plays with the running game, establish the ground game with Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, and see what kind of happens with Drew Locke at, you know, kind of as a byproduct of that. Because right now it doesn't look like either Broncos quarterback, you know, like you mentioned that Chargers game from last season where Drew Locke scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. We, we just haven't seen anything really like that from the Broncos quarterbacks this season. And so you gotta you gotta establish the ground game early to kind of try to establish yourself as the you know for lack of a better term alpha in this type of game. Yeah, and when I think Drew Locke, the, the word is always volatility, right? Which is always a positive and a negative. But it's like if you can reduce those bad plays, the really bad plays. I mean, the exciting plays are definitely there. I mean, I've seen it firsthand against the Chargers, some ridiculous throws that he's made in some big moments against them as well. So I mean, there are some positives there, and he also you know might have a couple of turnovers this week but from a bigger perspective Cody I know one thing that you guys have kind of been going through all season is just what the Broncos are going to do with their head coach and I mean Vic Fangio is a defensive guy right you know you see a 15 to 10 loss and you know the joke out there is like you know Vic Fangio is okay with that like a low scoring game kind of grind it out type of a thing but I've also you know follow you and seen kind of how you feel about it is it a done deal I mean obviously 
defensively, the Broncos, I think they're now the number one scoring defense in the NFL. Yeah. So, like, that part of it is obviously working. Is it a done deal, even though, like, that part of it, he's kind of getting the job done? Like, there's no thought of, like, okay, Pat Shermer, you know, we can get a new offensive mind in here because the defense is obviously going well. Is it done at this point to you? Uh, not entirely sure here. I mean, Vic has had his struggles as a head coach. I think his game management has been very, very That's poor. Big thing. That's yeah. been a huge thing. Yeah. He's been a great defensive coordinator. You know, yeah. you know, it, it's one of those dilemmas George Payton will have to face at the end of the season. Obviously, you know, what, what Vic has done as a head coach in terms of the defense is great, but as a head coach, he, the team has struggled in various other areas, and that does fall on him. So, yeah. you know, the only way that Sarah and I kind of pinpointed, look, if the Broncos went out these final two games, the defense Defense has played really well. Obviously, if you want to preserve that scheme, we've talked about it. Vic Fangio will have to make a lot of changes, and maybe George Payton has that conversation with him, that he is going to pick the next offensive coordinator and special teams coordinator for the team, and that Vic's going to really have to do a better job of overseeing all that and letting those guys do their job because there's been a general vibe that we've talked about. It doesn't seem like at times Vic trusts his coaching staff or his players, and that is a little bit of an issue, but he is willing to defend his coaching staff in a sense, and sometimes put the accountability, the blame on the players, which has also created a little bit of a negative vibe towards the perception of him. So, sure. you know, a lot of questions, you know, maybe you ask and you keep and retain a guy like Ed Donatel, but usually he and Vic have always been a package deal wherever they go. Or maybe you promote a young guy like Christian Parker within to the defensive coordinator if you're George Payton. I mean, so many things right here to consider. You know, for me personally, I like Vic as a DC, but, uh, you know, it, it, a lot of his style, a lot of his personality has rubbed a lot of people the, the wrong way certainly some players in the locker room it's rubbed the wrong way but more importantly just he hasn't gotten it done as a head coach and that's the most important metric and obviously it's something to monitor as well so uh right now i'm not sure but you know i, I wouldn't be surprised if it did happen yeah i mean it's interesting and obviously the Chargers went through their own thing like that like brand Staley, i've loved the way he's been as a head coach you know and then even after losses it's always going to get questioned things like that but i mean the Chargers defense hasn't been good right and that's obviously when fans are like He's a defensive genius. Like, what is happening here? Like, this is what he was brought in to do. But I think the point is, like, being a head coach is an all-encompassing position. It's not just yep. having a good defense. It's being good in game management situation. It's being able to pick the right offensive mind to run your scheme, you know, and be able to take some of that off your plate. But either way, it's a great defense, and the Chargers always struggle with this defense. Now, you know, they've made strides the number one scoring defense in the NFL series. So before we wrap up real quick, I just want to know, like, is there a specific weakness – to this defense because I watch it and I mean, I mean, there's some nitpicking things that you could do, but like, I don't even know, you know, going into my own, you know, preview show and stuff like that, what the specific area the charge should do outside of just trying to play towards their strengths. Yeah. The Broncos have had a slight vulnerability. I think this season kind of sprinkled throughout, not like necessarily a consistent thing, but the run defense has kind of been yeah. sporadically weak for them. We saw that last weekend against the Raiders. I mean, Vic Fangio punted the ball away with like, I think four, just around four minutes left in the game. And uh, he punted the ball away, gave it to the Raiders. Of course, you're thinking, well, you know, what's the worst case scenario? They're going to they're gonna score a field goal and we'll have to score a touchdown anyway. But the Raiders were able to kind of just bleed the clock out with these just chunk runs, four yards, five yards, four yards. And, and, and the Broncos weren't able to get at the line of scrimmage and really win at the line of scrimmage and that's somewhere that that's kind of been an issue for them as they've really cycled in a bunch of linebackers you know they've had yeah. so much turnover at the linebacker position and and i think right now the guys that they have out there 
could be the future at the position for them. Jonas Griffith has really stepped up and, and Baron Browning has looked really good. But at the same time, those guys, they're not they're not just quite there in terms of consistency yet. Filling those gaps, they make a lot of the splash plays that people want to see. They're super athletic and they look good in coverage a lot of times. But fitting those running lanes consistently has been a bit of an issue for the Broncos, not necessarily just on the D line, but at the second level, you see a lot of times Kareem Jackson come flying in to make a tackle that might save a touchdown or might save like a a huge gain. Those linebackers, in my opinion, are are the key to the Broncos being able to have that dominant type of defense. Cause yeah, they'll let you, they'll let you down the field, but they'll stop you in the red zone. But Mm -hmm. before inside the twenties there, there's a little bit of a weak spot in terms of the run defense. And I think it kind of starts and ends with how well these young linebackers play. Yeah, and I mean, the Chargers are going through some of that right now, too. And it's nice to see, you know, when guys are injured and put on injured reserve, other guys stepping up and getting a glimpse into something you might not have seen otherwise. Unfortunately for the Chargers, it hasn't really gone that way. Uh, and you're seeing kind of guys get exposed and kind of the lack of depth after the top line starters for the Chargers. But yeah, I mean, I, I thought the same thing going in the last game. And I think Justin Herbert was their leading rusher with 36 rushing yards. So they weren't necessarily, will, you know, ready to take advantage of that weakness if it was there. And I mean, they're not the most physically dominating offensive line, but it is a more physically dominating offensive line, especially that left side with Sean Slater, Matt Filer, Corey Lindsley, if he can come back this week, than we've seen in a long time. And that's a nice thing for the Chargers to be able to build on it. I think if when they do run the ball, that's going to be where they're trying to follow because Rashawn Slater, even as a rookie, has been physically dominant to the point where you're like, how is this dude doing this, you know, as a 22-year-old in the league? But I'm really excited for this matchup. Huge stakes on the line for both teams. Head coaching positions potentially on the line. Playoff positions potentially on the line. But I'm super excited to watch it, and I'm, you know, very nervous for the Chargers after that first go-around. Hopefully for Chargers fans, Things are different, but thank you to all fans for making us your first listen. Whether it's Locked On Broncos, Locked On Chargers, you're getting the best from both teams every day from your host. So thank you guys. Cody, Sarah, always love getting on with you guys. Even when I'm a little sick, it's always fun to chop it up and, you know, get into this matchup. And I think it's going to be a good game. I think it will be even closer than the first time around. But make sure you guys are subscribing to the Locked On Chargers and Locked On Broncos YouTube channel and find the show for free on all platforms wherever you get your podcast from. But let's get ready for a big-time matchup this weekend. We'll talk to you guys later.